Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. I really believe that's a win because you made it through Monday and now it's Tuesday, and that's always a good thing. Today, got a full show for you. In just a moment, the lieutenant uh, governor will join us for a half hour. We'll talk to him. As you know, he's uh, running for the Republican nomination for governor, and uh, the primary is next May. So we're going to talk to him about what are some of his ideas, what is what is his vision for Arkansas? That's coming up in just a moment. And then we'll talk to David Ray. David Ray is spending his first uh, time and go round as a state representative. He's got some legislation he'd like to talk about. We'll do that. Then the Bible guys will be here on uh, an hour in the second hour of the show, starting at a little after 7 o'clock. Got a lot of questions for them as well. But right now, let's wish uh, wish uh, well and welcome Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin. And uh, Lieutenant Governor, thanks for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good morning. There you are. It's, All right. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Are you a coffee guy? Dude, I've already drank three big cups of coffee. You know, uh, let me just tell you if we can, just you and I talking here. Uh Nobody's so, nobody's listening right now, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope somebody is. They are. Oh, go there's, ahead. there's a joke in there somewhere. Yes. Um, so, you know, I made the switch to Keurig, the little pods. Okay, the one, about, the little pod, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, the little pods a few years ago, and and uh, you know. I forgot how good drip coffee is. Yes. And and I had this drip you know, coffee maker uh, sitting there, and I started making drip again, I don't know, about two months ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, it, it is so, so much better yeah. than the pods. Uh, what's I mean, your, you what's your, what's your favorite coffee? What what coffee do you well, use I'm on a, the drip? I'm a New Orleans. I'm a New Orleans guy, so I have uh, I have two favorites. So... Uh, if I want a little flavor, I get that pecan praline community. Okay, but I'm drinking. I'm drinking this morning. Uh, it's called their five star hotel um, uh, blend or whatever. Right, and it's just a regular old straight up coffee. But it is. <laughs> I'm on my third cup. Yeah, community is really so, good coffee. It is. It's excellent. Yeah, it's good, you know, good good New Orleans neighboring state uh, coffee, and uh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, you know, uh, 
I uh, I just wanted to mention that because we don't get to chat much, and I, I thought we might as well chat now on the air. I agree. I I I use Folgers Breakfast Blend. That's what I like. Well, that's yeah. That's sort of a well. That's I think that's a medium roast, sort that, of in between. That's that's and, correct. And I I like it like gas, like kerosene or gasoline or oil. I mean, I like it. Well, you're military like too. <laughs> well, in the military, you like anything. That's uh, right. You know, some of the coffee I've tasted in the military, uh, uh, I thought was some kind of uh, weapon experiment. <laughs> but that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, you're just happy to be alive at, at 4 a.m. Uh, anyway, uh, enough of that. Okay, so let, let's start off. You know, we've all known that you have had. Uh, visions for the state of Arkansas for quite some time. Why don't you start off by just sharing the vision you have for the state? Sure. Well, I, uh, I've been thinking a lot uh, of where we should go as a state, and I think it's pretty common for governors and gubernatorial candidates and others to talk about sort of what they're going to do over four years or what they're going to do over eight years. But <clears throat> you don't hear much about what we call in the military, the strategic long-term, the strategic vision. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I think that, <clears throat> yes, we always need to be looking at short-term, you know, two, four years, intermediate term, you know, maybe eight years, whatever. But we also have to be considering where we're going to go long-term, sort of what what we want to be like down the road and and that's so important because it's about my kids uh other people my age have grandkids <laughs> um but i have young kids i started uh, late in life uh and uh so i've got i've got a 13 a 10 and a 3 and one of the things that we've had to deal with whether it's growing up in magnolia or camden uh like uh, magnolia for me camden like my wife or other places around um, Arkansas is, you know, can can our kids and grandkids stay here or will they have to move somewhere else to get the job they want? And so every day as lieutenant governor, my focus has been how do we how do we compete? Right. How do we beat beat other states? And and that's that's really what it's all about. How do we compete on uh, on growing jobs and quality of life and all these different all these different things? And so that's sort of what drives me. And I'll tell you, you know, if there was a conservative um, who could win and and who's running, who was running for governor, who was going to do all the things that that I hope we can do, want to do thinking big and bold and, and and I could trust them to to do these things, then I'd probably just support them. I know my uh I'd spend a lot more time with my family. Right. But but I don't see anyone in the race or considering running for governor who is committed to the bold shake up the status quo vision that I have, and I think we absolutely have to pursue if we're going to get a different result. You know, if we keep doing, there's an old saying, you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And what I'm what I'm not interested in 
is the small tweaking at the edges. Because, yes, you can make some progress tweaking at the edges, but there's a couple of problems with it. Number one, you risk other states passing you by. You may be making things better here, but relative to them, you're getting behind, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Just because things are better here doesn't mean we're winning the race. I can run my personal best and be the slowest one, right? So your personal best is not the standard. The standard is how are you doing with regard to your competitors? So num- number one, the slow approach, this little inch at a time, oh, is it will almost guarantee that we don't compete long term. And number two, in a hun- you know the hundred year plan, as I call it, the hundred year plan's no good to you or me or my kids. They're all gone. We're all gone in 100 years. Right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, most likely. And uh, so I'm not interested in the 100-year plan. I'm interested in doing some big stuff now. And uh, so that's where I start, is that we need to do some really big things and shake up the status quo. That's sort of my 50,000 feet perspective and then then as you proceed from there you start to say okay well what specifically are you talking about what should we be doing that we're uh, not doing now and i divide this up into um ideas bold conservative ideas Mm -hmm. but there's that aspect but then there's also leadership style I think leadership style is really important. Um, so those are two areas I'm happy to talk about. I don't want to just talk without you asking questions, but but um, I'm happy to drill down into those. But I think that it's not just what I want to do differently. It's how I want to do it. Uh, because every individual, every candidate like me or someone else, we all have – are different ways of doing things. And mine has been shaped by a lot of years of experience. Experience, to be frank, that no one else in this race even comes close to having. Uh, 25 years in the military, served in Iraq. I'm a commander, a colonel at Fort Bragg right now in the reserve. Command troops over there that support 18th Airborne and and the Special Forces troops and others. Uh, served in Congress, served at the White House, federal prosecutor, lieutenant governor for six years. So I, I know the federal government, state government, been working in the private sector uh, for years. And so when you look at all that together, voters can say, hey, I want someone who's ready on day one, won't need training wheels. Or they can say, nah, no, that matters. That's going to be up to voters. To me, if I was having heart surgery, I wouldn't want the guy who's going to do his first heart surgery on you. (laughs) I got you. You know? I'm with you. That's sort of the – I'll let you 
I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you hold on just for a second, and I'm gonna come back, ask a couple of questions, and I'll let you go today. David Ray's coming up at uh, six thirty-five, so stay tuned to Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin. He's looking for your vote in the Republican primary. He'd like to have the banner of the Republican Party here in Arkansas to run for governor in 2022 we'll be back with him in just a moment i want to remind you about pi roofing they will take a really good uh, uh, job uh, from you and keeping your roof in a in great stead make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to do which is what what is your roof supposed to do keep the water out keep the snow out keep the wind out it's supposed to protect everything inside your home it's your last line of defense against the elements and they do a good job of doing that. Now, while they're doing that, they'll follow all the COVID-19 protocols so you don't have to worry about your family uh, getting COVID-19. They don't have to worry about their workers getting COVID-19. But the bottom line is they're going to make sure your roof is in good shape. They'll get on top of your roof. They're going to walk around. You know, if they, they hit a mushy part, I can't, you know, I say that. And you may never have ever been on your roof. I can just tell you this, that you can tell when the wood is going bad, the plywood on your roof. You can tell because there's a definite different feel when you step on that wood and when you step on good wood. And uh, the folks at PI Roofing have uh, all of that expertise to be able to find those leaks that you have. That's why they call themselves, you know, uh, the the roof uh, leak detectives because they can find them just because you've got a stain on the ceiling in your bedroom does not mean that the leak is right over where that stain is it could be somewhere else uh, on your roof and they can find it and they can fix it they will fix it that's pi roofing 707-3551 is their phone number 707-3551 or pi roofing.com all right, today, first day of uh, the three candidates uh, appearing on my show at 6 o'clock hour. Today, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin joins us. And, Lieutenant Governor, here's what I'm hearing out on uh, when I out, I'm out talking to buddies and people come up and talk to me and uh, emails that I've gotten since I said that I was going to have you on and Leslie on and Sarah on. And uh, they wanted to know from you why you haven't been more outspoken against some of the governor's policies. Well, I have disagreed with him on, on numerous occasions. You know, I've elected separately from the governor, and some things we agree on. There's a lot of things that we don't agree on. And uh, I think that what you're seeing, you know, the first six years, I was not running for governor. And I was serving as lieutenant governor. And um, I have made on a number of things, from, from the highway tax uh, to spending, and I even you know made some comments on on the coronavirus and the handling of that, and and a number of other issues. I just have the hate crime law. I just have differences with the governor, and I've made those clear. I haven't spent six years. Uh, you're bashing him at press conferences. No, I haven't done that. I don't think that's my role. Uh, but I do think in these last, during the campaign, you will start to see uh, more openly a discussion of where I differ. 
but I've made it clear. I mean, again, I haven't spent hours and hours on TV making that my thing to show uh, that I'm different. Uh, But but if you're following me on issues, you know that I'm different. You know I'm elected separately. You know my style's different. You know that. uh, So um, I think for those who have been following me, they know where i where i stand i've made it clear in the paper but i also think that these two this two years of the campaign will highlight a lot of those things it's not a it's not an anti-governor thing or a pro-governor thing it's just i'm a different human being and i have different uh perspective and different views on a ton of issues we're just completely different in style and often on substance and uh, so, I, I, look, I think it's fair to want to see that. And I think it's also fair uh, to not spend the first six years making that my uh, daily uh, a task, because at the end of the day, it's about getting things done and helping where I can. And on things where we agreed, you know, he has uh, included me now uh that was mostly in the first term, uh, and uh, but yeah, so you'll you'll see more and more of that distinction. I mean, look, my policies that I've talked about uh, that are critical to the state, for example, they make it real clear that I'm on a different page than pretty much any other uh, leader, uh, statewide leader in the uh, that we have. Number one, I want to get rid of the income tax. Yes, it'll take different behavior. It'll take different behavior on spending. We have to we have to control our spending. It'll take some time, but we need to, uh, for my children's sake, your children's grandchildren, what have you, people listening, uh, we got to get it done. School choice. Look, we are still twenty years behind or more other states on on school choice, which is freedom for parents. Freedom for parents to decide where their kids ought to go to school, how they ought to be educated. We do these half measures. You know, we pass a succeed scholarship, which is a good piece of legislation. And then we limit how much, how many kids can benefit from it. And then we have people dragging their feet uh, in the education bureaucracy to make sure kids can't take advantage of it. And that's for kids with, with certain uh, developmental disabilities, et cetera. So we've got so much more we can do, giving parents freedom in education. That's another big one. Look, I think on infrastructure, we ought to have more uh, capable, we ought to have more public-private partnerships. We're decades behind other states on that. There are a lot of different things that we uh, need to do, and uh, I'll be talking a lot about that as we go forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's fair to say I have significant differences on a number of issues. Look, I, I've made it clear. Uh, I wrote an op-ed for a family council. Uh, this, this hate crimes bill that the Jim Hendren, Joyce Elliott, Leslie Rutledge hate crimes bill uh, is a horrible, uh, piece of legislation. It was thrown together. A lot of the stakeholders weren't included. It doesn't protect uh, do a good job protecting uh, religious liberty and speech. Uh, and uh, it doesn't punish hate such as 
my buddy Steve Scalise getting shot on a baseball field because somebody hates uh, someone's political ideology. And uh, yeah, that sort of hate is not covered. There's all kinds of problems with it. And I've made that clear, and that's a distinct difference. I'm for the Stand Your Ground bill. I've made that clear. Why? Well, you have no duty to retreat in your home. Uh, why wouldn't you have no duty to retreat in your front yard? I mean, some of the some of this stuff uh, is I've I've been very vocal about, and uh, there are a lot of differences between me and some of the other candidates. Now, one of the candidates who's in the race, I have no idea uh, what she thinks about anything because she won't talk to the press and and uh, she won't take a position on any issue. So right now she's a blank slate. So we'll see where all that goes. And people like you will help hold people accountable. But um, this is going to be a long 15-month campaign. And you're going to see very clear differences between me and others on a number of, of critical issues. All right. Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin. Tim, we are out of time. I appreciate you getting up early, having another well, your third cup of coffee and joining me here on the show. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for, uh, you know, giving us a view of what the uh, Tim Griffin campaign is going to look like. Have a great day. Let's do it. Hey, let's do it weekly. Well, I can <laughs> I can work that out. I'll talk to David Ray about it. How's that? All right. Thank you, man. Talk Take to you care. later. All right. So there's uh, Tim Griffin. He wants to talk to you weekly. I can make that happen. We can do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, time for us to get to the news. When we come back, David Ray, who happens to be the campaign manager, will join us, but he's a state representative as well. We're going to find out about some legislation he has when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, uh, David, did you listen to uh, the lieutenant uh, uh, governor's time on the air this morning? I caught it. I did. Did you Good hear morning, what, Dave. I got to talk to you. We got to we got to get together. He wants to do a weekly thing. We'll have to see if we can work that out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's make it happen. All right. David Ray with us. And David Ray now, in all transparency, is the campaign uh, manager for Tim Griffin. I just want you to know that. However, we're not going to talk about Tim anymore now. We're going to talk about David Ray because he is uh, – you know, state representative David Ray. You remember uh, a few months back, he won the, the primary in the area that uh, he has run. Uh, kind of a kind of over in the Sherwood area, isn't it? Yeah, it's north. It's North Pulaski and and Southern Faulkner County. So if you live uh, in, I live in on the north end of Maumelle. It gets to the north end of Maumelle as well as some of uh, Marche and Oak Grove area. Then it goes across the northern half of the county. If you live north of the air base in Pulaski County, you're uh, you're in this district. And then it gets to the city of Mayflower and and part, uh, various parts of Faulkner County too, outside of the city of Conway and Bologna. Okay, well, let's get into talking about uh, the campaign, or not the campaign, but uh, your uh, some of the pieces of legislation you are sponsoring in the state uh, uh, legislature. Before we get started with that, let me just ask you a question. Who does the cleaning around your house? Is it you or your wife? Well, it's it's a team effort, but um, these days I'm spending a lot of hours working on bills and 
reading legislation. So I've I've probably not been living up to uh, my end of the bargain <laughs> recently. Okay, but, well, um, let, let me real quickly here tell you about, I, I got to remind people about one of my advertisers, and I'm going to remind you personally about it. Uh, St. Yeah. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Uh, right now, if you call 404 6560 uh, you can buy a uh, certificate to have them uh, come and clean your home. Now, if your home is up to 1,500 square foot, typically that would cost $200 to have it deep cleaned. You can get a certificate for $100 and get that done. Or if you're up to 2,500 square feet, it's uh, $300 or 150 if you buy your certificate right here at the radio station. So you get 50% off. I've been telling people, I've been telling the guys, to buy a few of these and give them to their uh, their wives or significant others uh, if they're doing the cl- the cleaning and let them have that and give them give them some time off. Uh, a deep cleaning is good for about three or four weeks, so that'd be a nice uh, you know time to be able to kick back and and uh, enjoy life a little bit. But again, that St. Clarity Residential Cleaning half off on their uh, uh, coupons uh, for cleaning your home. Up to 1,500 square foot, normally 200. Over 1,500, up to 2,500, 300. You get it for $100 or 150, but you just got to call 404-6560. Talk to Chuck. Do it after 7 or 9, pardon me, after 9, and Chuck will take good care of you. All right. Now, so, David, what kind, what, as you came in, now you've been involved or been close to being involved with the state legislature because you worked with, you know, uh, prosperity and a lot of other people here in the state, and you've you've had your your nose right close to politics. You've been working with the lieutenant governor for many years now. So, what were things that, as you came into this first time around as a state rep, that you wanted to see worked on in the state? Well, Dave, I've got a lot of bills that I'm working on, but I'll tell you about some of the ones that I've gotten filed and and are soon going to be working their way through the process. Uh, One bill I know that you'll be glad to hear I'm working on is House Bill 1368. This is the special election reform bill. And I know uh, for many years we uh, conservatives have worked to try and fix this problem, and I'll, I'll frame it for the listeners. In cities and counties and school districts all around the country, we end up getting special elections that are held at really inopportune times. Uh, Sometimes that's just the way it falls. Other times it's by design. Um, You'll get a a bond issue in Little Rock that's held 10 days before Christmas, or um, you'll get uh, North Little Rock school district millage increase that's held on Valentine's Day, like we saw in 2012, and the end result is predictable. You get 6% or 8% turnout. The people who do turn out are the ones that stand to benefit directly from the tax increase, and we all end up paying higher taxes as a result. So this has been going on for years, and it's really a big reason why we have some of the highest taxes in the Southeast. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is pretty simple. Just simply standardize the election calendar so that voters go to the polls on consistent and predictable dates to decide on issues and candidates. And so we would just say, look, if you're going to hold a special election, that's okay, but you need to stick it on either the primary date or the general date so that folks know when it's going to happen. 
And uh, the same would be true in off years. You could put that election on the primary, what would be the primary date or what would be the general date. And by doing that, we'll really do three big things. Number one, we'll increase the number of people that participate. When, when more people weigh in, and this is not decided by a handful of insiders who are in the know that there's a special election happening, it brings more legitimacy to the actions of government. You know, our friends on the left, they, they whine and complain all the time about voter suppression. A lot of that's made up and, and uh, imagined. But not knowing when the actual date of the election is going to be, that's got to be the big – that's the biggest – hurdle to participation that I can think of. Um, so we increase the voter participation. Number two, we're going we're gonna to decrease uh, or, or at a minimum slow the growth in taxes over the long run. There's a lot of research on this from the University of Central Arkansas's uh, Center for Research and Economics. And then the third thing we're going to do is we're going to save taxpayers money by not ha- holding a bunch of uh, extra extraneous elections over the years. So that's something you know I've been working on for a while, and I'm uh, I'm excited to try and get that done this year. Well, and, and I like that because I worked very diligently with Alan Kerr when he was trying to kill these special elections, too. And uh, we got close a couple of times, but just couldn't get it over the top of the hill. We kept pushing the rock up, but by when you get to the very top, the rock would end up rolling back down. I'm hoping that uh, you can get it over the top and 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 get it done what seems to be the response you're getting from other legislators about this you know i'm i'm encouraged by the conversations i've had with folks um you know the feedback has been good you know look there's some people that are are going to oppose this because it's the status quo and people like the status quo um you know they're typically republicans uh, are much more inclined to support this than democrats are but really I kind of view this as a reform, as a status quo versus reform issue. If if you're happy with kind of the the swampy way things are done in this regard, then support the status quo. But um, I think we we owe the the voters and the taxpayers of this state more than than trying to play hide the ball with some of these elections. Um, but I, I'm working on a, a whole host of other issues. I've got a a bill that I'm working on with Senator Ben Gilmore from South Arkansas. Um, it, that's SB 153. That's related to occupational licensing. So, you know, a lot of people may not know we're the third most heavily licensed state in the country, according to the Institute for Justice. And um, one of the things that makes our licensing system so burdensome a lot of times are the fees associated with it. Mm-hmm. So th- this bill would very simply waive um, any and all occupational licensing fees for uh, people who are low income in the state of Arkansas. And the purpose is really straightforward. We want to break down any barriers to opportunity that exist for folks who want to, um, uh, who want to work hard, who want to work in, work their way into a better career path, who want to, uh, maybe they've got this small business idea that they were, They'd always dreamed about, and then all of a sudden COVID hit, and they laid off their from their job, and they want to try something new, but they're living paycheck to paycheck, drawing unemployment or something, and, and the fees to get into a new line of work are, are cost prohibitive. So we want to try and remove some of those barriers um, 
and encourage entrepreneurship, encourage work, and and get our economy going again. Because prior to the pandemic, the economy was rolling. And um, we've got to do everything we can to get it back on track and um, and and get our get our economy booming again. What's your feelings on the move within the Senate? I mean, when we look at the Senate, you've got Hammer and Gazaway on the uh, emergency powers uh, that they they're bringing a bill towards that. I don't know if there's something over on the House side uh, that goes along with it. But the bottom line is. Uh, a lot of people believe that the governor has overextended his power here in the state and taken a lot of a lot of decision making away from uh, the uh, legislature. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't seen uh, Senator Hammer's bill yet. Um, we did vote on one emergency powers bill over in the House um, last week. And it was called uh, the Religion is, is Essential Act. Um, basically, it's, uh, you know, we've seen states like New York and Nevada try to impose um, really just draconian reg- uh, regulations on houses of worship during the pandemic. And, you know, constitutional rights don't get don't just get suspended uh, because we have an emergency. Uh, our founders put those in place for a reason. And so <clears throat> this legislation basically says that, uh, you know, in in times of emergency, um, houses of worship, you know, will be protected. People will continue to have, uh, enjoy the freedom to worship. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and I'll tell you generally how I approach some of these emergency powers issues. Um, look, the executive um, ought not be all-powerful. Um, the executive branch is one branch of government. Our founders were wise to set up a system of checks and balances, and it's important that the legislature have uh, have power in that process. Um, look, in some emergencies, if there's a, a flood or a tornado or a, a natural disaster of some kind where, where very quick action is needed, um, then, yeah, the governor has some has some emergency power. You know, he's got to mobilize the National Guard and, and all of that kind of thing. But with a prolonged emergency like this, it, it has required us to rethink a lot of uh, important issues related to emergency powers. And, and I will say this. One thing that I always keep in the back of my mind when I'm chewing on this issue is, even though, you know, our governor, I haven't agreed with every every decision he's made during the pandemic, but certainly compared to a lot of the nonsense we've seen around the country and actually continue to see with continued lockdowns, um, he has done much better than most, in my opinion. Um, but regardless, you don't want to give uh, a power, even to your best friend, that you wouldn't also mind giving to your worst enemy. Because we don't know who's going to occupy the governor's office in 15 or 20 or 30 or 50 years from now. We hope it's someone who shares our values and respects limited government. But there's no guarantee of that. So we've got to keep that in mind. The same power we would, I would want to give uh, a Governor Tim Griffin, I've also got to be prepared to give that power to a Governor Andrew Cuomo or a Gretchen Whitmer. Oh, my God. All right. 
<laughs> she just, I'll have nightmares tonight. All right. Uh, David Ray is our guest, <laughs> state representative here. Uh, first time around, we'll come back, finish up our conversation with him. Got to get a break in here, David. We'll be right back with you. Don't forget about David Lucas Financial, what they're up to as far as helping you with your retirement. You got to know a lot of different issues as far as retirement goes. For instance, I'm holding David's new brochure up here in the studio. If you're watching on Facebook, there it is. And uh, inside, it talks about those topics, income, Social Security, investments, taxes, health care, and just general questions on retirement. Now, there's 31 questions. How many of these questions could you answer clearly, distinctly, and and have a you know a a way set up to move forward in your life. If you're like 45, 50 years old, you've not you've got to get that road not only plowed, but you got to get it paved and get it ready to go. Because the time between your you know between you you turn 50 and the time you say you turn 65, 70 uh, is not a lot of time. You got to make sure you're ready to. Uh, you know, let your money outlive you so that you get the money to do the things you want to do in your golden years. So get one of these brochures from uh, David Lucas Financial. Go to davidlucasfinancial.com or you can uh, give them a call at uh, 501-222-3315. That again is 501-222-3315. Don't retire and find out you don't have enough money to live in after you turn 75. Don't want that to happen. I'm just telling you. You want your money to outlive you. That's David Lucas Financial. All right, about five minutes till seven. We've got just a few more moments here with David Ray. And David, what are some other pieces of legislation that you think are really important that you are pushing during this uh, general session? Well, look, Dave, you've known me for many years, and you know the one thing that probably animates me. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of issues I care deeply about, but one thing that just really animates me above a lot of other issues is taxes. Yeah. And I believe I believe very strongly that our state government taxes too much and spends too much. And uh, so I'm going to be focused on finding ways this session that we can let taxpayers keep more of what they earn, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. So the used car sales tax, which I know um, a lot of our Kansans hate paying, we're going to reduce the used car sales tax this session. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which form it's going to take. There's, I think, three different, at least three different proposals floating around there, but I feel pretty confident in saying we're going to do something to help reduce the used car sales tax in a significant way. And I'm excited about that because you'll remember, Dave, Arkansas has not always had a used car sales tax. The Governor Clinton at the time put that back in place. So anytime we can get rid of a Clinton-era tax, uh, that just – that brings joy to my heart. I don't know about you. Well, it's been around too long. There's no doubt about that. It's not necessary. Are, are you going are you going to pursue some of the things we have talked about in the past about, you know, roads and things of that nature of how to have the money that we need 
to do what we want to do with the roads without taxing ourselves into the pauper's house? Well, I'd love to, I'm on the transportation committee and I, I you know, I have always been a proponent of funding our highways and infrastructure with existing resources rather than by raising taxes. Uh, unfortunately, we the voters approved a permanent um, half-cent sales tax in our state constitution last November. So <clears throat> I'm not really... Uh, I'm not really in a mood right this minute to send any more money over there. Um, uh, you know, I think if we do things with general revenue this session, it ought to be aimed toward giving it let, giving it back to the taxpayers. Is there um, is, is there any any kind of appetite at all to rein in the highway department, change it the way that it does its business, so that the people and even the legislature has a little bit more say in what we do with our highways? Yeah, and without getting into too many details, there was a, you know, last session there was a bill that passed that required sort of a top-to-bottom audit or review of the highway department. And that ended up being done by Guidehouse, which is a spinoff of PwC, PricewaterhouseCooper, and there, that report contains a lot of really, um, really good information, um, kind of pointing the way, if you will, for areas of reform. And I don't have anything that I'm ready to roll out right this second, but I've been in conversations with fellow members on the Transportation Committee, and I, I feel confident in saying we will see some reform-minded legislation um, this session um with with regard to the highway department well that's that's good i'm glad i'm glad to hear that i really am uh jeremy hutchinson for all of his shortcomings and he had a few but he had he had some real strong points one of them he had the highway department running uh away from him uh, because he wanted to change some stuff uh, his problem was is that he believed him when they told him they would do the changes without legislation, and they never did. So uh, uh, anything that I can do or you want to get on and you want to talk about that, my microphones are open to you, sir. I appreciate it, Dave, and I appreciate you having me on, and um, keep rocking in the free world. We will do it. We'll talk to you in a little bit. David Ray with us, state representative here in Arkansas. Bible guys are next on the Dave Ellswick Show.
You're you're all looking at me like, well, Dave, what are you going to do? <laughs> all right, no. Scott, welcome back. Thank you, sir. Good to see you back here again. You got away with the staff last weekend, huh? We did. We did. We do this uh, at the beginning of each year. Each secular year, we uh, I kind of go away and pray right after uh, the holidays and see what the Lord might say to me about what the next year is going to hold, how we're supposed to do things. And uh, the Lord spoke and uh, shared it with my staff, so we're ready to go. I got a, a question for you because sure. this just came up yesterday. Iverson Jackson was here. You know Iverson. Mm. And he's a he's a great Christian man, and and then Paul was here, and uh, and I was talking about how the Spirit was working with me, mm-hmm. and uh, typically when I go to bed, I I uh, carry on a conversation with the Lord until I drop off to sleep. Uh-huh. For me, that's to me that's the best way. All right, sure. Because here's the key: if I if I die in my sleep, I'm gonna wake <laughs> I'm gonna wake up in eternity. Face to face talking to him still, and I'm kind of cool about that. But anyway, uh, you all know the things that that uh, have been impressed upon me. The vision I've been seen, I have been given about a school, and uh, what is today Tuesday? It would have been Sunday night. That was reiterated to me again. Oh, wow. Excellent. It was reiterated because I've been questioning here just recently. It's been two years now. Yeah. And I've been saying, you know, okay, okay, Lord, you gave me this vision, and I told you I'm in. Yeah. But you got to give me the provision. Sure. And that hasn't come. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if this is a faith thing or what it is, all right? But, uh, I mean, I've I've been out on some land and cabin and prayed over it and claimed it, and so I'm I'm waiting. Amen. I'm just waiting. Amen. So we'll see if it uh, you know when it happens. Praise God. You know, and and what goes on about it. But I I looked at both of the guys I was talking to, and they kind of looked at me strange <laughs> because I was saying, you know, the Holy Spirit was mm-hmm. working with me. Now God didn't talk to me. Yeah, right. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. The Holy Spirit talked to me, the yeah. Helper. He yeah. he's always talks sure. to me. Sure, uh, and uh, and it, people look at you kind of weird mm-hmm. when you talk about that. And I, I maybe maybe it's, I should be more bold about that. But I I just don't uh, I don't share that except mm-hmm. with, with with a few friends yeah. like right now with the thousands of people that are listening right now. But you know. And, and I'm, <clears throat> look, I'm not, you know, some some serial killer or something. All right, God's not telling me to go out and kill people or anything. Yeah. But God does direct my life. Absolutely, sure. absolutely. The Bible uh, uh, talks about a, a small, still voice. I think mm-hmm. that's what most people hear. It's that 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 small, still voice that is in, within our spirit that uh, the Lord leads us and talks to us through. And, and unless you know what that sounds like you can't you can't describe it to anybody right, right. i mean that would be like you know uh you know you trying to t- explain to somebody how to recognize my voice but you really wouldn't have any words to you just have to he- someone just has to hear me to know what i sound like and the same way is true with the holy spirit unless you're familiar with that voice and what it s- sounds like you can't really you can teach people how to hear the voice but until they actually do um you know it's an experiential thing well let me just sure. say when I say talks, it's it's not like what we're sitting here and talking. Mm-hmm. Right. It's distinctly different it than is. that. Yeah. I know it's, you know, there's not a sound to it, kind of. <laughs> it's real. It, when Do you know when somebody talks to you and they're a really, 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 really good friend mm-hmm. and it 
affects you deep down, mm-hmm. that's what the Holy Spirit does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It affects you in a place that nobody else can affect you at. Yeah. And, and you know, whenever you have a, 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 you mentioned a good friend, you know, if, if Steve calls me on the phone, he doesn't have to tell me it's him. Yeah, Steve. Right. I recognize yeah, I his voice. <laughs> but if some random person called me, they would have to tell me who they are because I don't recognize the voice. Right. But, but when you're familiar with people and you have a close relationship, you don't have to introduce yourself. I mean, if your mom or dad calls you, you know, they don't have to say, hello, Dave, this is your father, this is your mother. I mean, it's just, it, you know it intuitively. So um, it requires relationship to actually hear it and understand what it yeah. is. I just... Do you get that though? Do, mm-hmm. do sure. you guys get that too? Sure. You Absolutely. tell people and and they look at you like, uh, "You okay?" Yeah. <laughs> you, you need a you need a nuance how you tell people about God speaking yeah. to you. It depends yeah. on who you're talking to. You know, you can either, some people you might say, "I just kind of felt," or "I had I had this impression," or mm-hmm. "I just kind of knew I was supposed to do it." But then you, with other people, you can say, "The Lord spoke to me today." I mean, right. you just yeah. have to be wise about how you actually had tell some people. pretty funny conversations, you know, back and forth with him. Yeah. <laughs> I always had a had a funny uh, one when the the voice of correction seems to be a little bit louder and more clear, and I've been They're painful. You know, yeah, so you know, it's something you got to apologize, repent for, or something. <laughs> Many times go, oh, now you want to speak loud and clear. Right, now right. I don't have to go See, searching and for that it. attitude. Is the whole <laughs> problem. There it is. <laughs> Rick, Rick Bazet uh, gave the sermon across the whole you know uh, New Life Church group uh on sunday and he talked about repentance Mm -hmm. and it was really a good sermon he was very very good and thought he did a good job the the only thing that i i worry sometimes within the church today is we seem to apologize if the lesson's going to be hard right you know Mm -hmm. uh or if (laughs) do i don't want to sound negative you know and Mm brother preach it you don't have to do that no you know god god has put something on your heart Mm -hmm. bring it Mm -hmm. yeah all right i'm a big boy mm -hmm. i put on my pants Mm -hmm. and i came to church and i'm ready yeah well the call to repentance is not meant to be easy because you're doing something wrong yeah i was was but what i liked about what he said is that it you know people look at repentance as a negative and it's not it's one of the most positive things in the bible yeah it's it's totally a positive thing i think i warned that i was likely to step on some toes and upset some people but i don't think i apologized for it i I was the the last couple of of times i've been in the pulpit um it's been pretty pointed uh, about some behaviors but I don't. I don't think I apologized. I, I did think I, I gave a warning. I was like, "Look, I, some of you are going to be mad at me before this is over. And if, well, and if you're offended, come talk to me well, afterwards." I, I, I think that but, um, you know, you know what Dave is saying. I think you know when when he has the attitude, you know, bring it. I right. would I would say that you're in the minority with that attitude. Yeah, I think absolutely. the vast majority of people in the body today are offended just by someone looking at them wrong. Yeah. Uh, offense is everywhere. So I think that I think the pastors probably have had so many negative emails and phone calls and text mm. that they then preempt their mm. they're speaking more mm-hmm. to the majority than to people like you that are in the minority and so they said listen before you before i start let me just go ahead and preempt this and say you might be a little upset i might yeah. step on some toes you know my apologies usually go i'm sorry that you're a big baby right <laughs> and there's steve for you <laughs> and i wish he was plain i wish no that's i wish way, that was a joke steve is. Uh, but you but, know what uh, i just it I mean, I didn't think it was hard, man. Yeah, 
not hard enough. <laughs> no, I think it needs to be harder because the church is failing yeah. well, let me miserably tell you, we, somewhat. The, yeah. the, the sheep are scattered right now. Yep. yep. The flock is scattered. Uh, you know, you're saying about how many people are, you know, have returned to the, the sheepfold. Uh, <laughs> not in, enough. In, 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 in uh, Cabot and... Um, you know, and we have the same situation going on, but but get this: nationwide, there's a 77 percent drop in church attendance. Yeah, yeah. this has never wow. happened in history. I mean, if you look at church attendance, we started keeping records back was it the 40s or 30s, and every decade there's been like a one or two percent drop in yeah. church attendance. Then you get to the late 70s, between late 70s and 2018, and there was an 18 percent drop. But then just in 2020 alone, a 77% drop. This, yeah. this never happened. The sheep are scattered into the highways, the byways, the mountains, the valleys, the pastures, the fields. They're, they've been scattered. Uh, and um, and there's going to, I mean, from at least from my perspective, there needs to be an, a, a full-out um, uh, rescue effort. Yeah. To, uh, and you know what I hear in my block. heart? I hear the word remnant over and over yeah. and over. Remnant, I was going to say there's remnant, two ways remnant. to look at that because we've often talked about when the Bible talks about a great falling away, yeah. it's going to come. <clears throat> we look at it from the idea that um, maybe it's a falling away of doctrine. Maybe it's falling away because of persecution. Maybe this was the excuse that the marginally committed needed right. to stop. Yep. So there's there's it could be one way to look at it is that, whoa, so I, I don't have to worry about people judging me for not showing up anymore. Now i got an excuse to not be regularly committed could be that uh could be just the fear of covid as well but we just don't know okay what, so yeah. now i got here comes one of those hard questions <laughs> okay we like those. this is for everybody who's listening today uh what happens if you're going back to church but your spouse isn't mm-hmm. what do you it's do tough. then and and how do you deal with that so you're not preaching at them you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If, they, if, they, if they say, well, you know, this is easy for you. You know, you're here and I'm there and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what do you do then? I I think it depends on um, who you are in the relationship. I mean, if you are the if you're the husband, then you have a, a headship responsibility over your family. And I think that um, that would require a a conversation with uh, the spouse and and then say, and then say listen you know biblically speaking as a head of my home i i am scripturally i have a responsibility to to lead you and so i'm telling you it's going to be okay i'm asking you to uh, uh to come with me and then of course being sensitive that if the person is scared mm-hmm. then you need to you know, put some faith in them pray with them if they want to wear you know a mask or two masks or sit in the back or sit over in the corner or whatever and Fauci said not proven two masks protect you better yeah, well, mm-hmm. and back in february he said mass not at all would protect yeah, you by he's, changed he's been everywhere a, he's changed a lot and then if you're the if you're if you're the wife um you know then um where you don't have spiritual headship then um what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to just you know lovingly sit your husband down and say listen you know you know in our relationship you know i love the lord mm-hmm. uh, you know more than you and i mean maybe you could say it, i don't know how you want to say it but but you're going to have Told to do you it was hard yeah you're going to have to say i have to i have to follow the lord and do what i believe is right in my heart if you don't if you're not going to follow with me that's between you and god i'm praying for you uh but but um but this is right and and, and then go and lead by example i mean it's not an easy conversation to have yeah all right got to take a break and then billy i'll come to you because i 
I stopped you as you were <laughs> opening your mouth. So we'll get here with Billy has to say when we that. continue <laughs> here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Break and then more coming your way. Bible guys are here. 823-0965. That's the number to call if you've got a question. All right, back with you. So a little bit of uh, real life there in that last segment because it's going on right now in churches everywhere. Yeah, yeah. About, uh, you know, one spouse uh, wanting to go back to church, the other, for whatever reason, not wanting to. Uh, are you are you finding, you guys, and Billy, let me go back and let you finish up your thought that you had when I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say in a lot of cases, you're, you're going to have to treat that just like um, – just like a believing spouse connected to an unbelieving spouse. Now, we know that Scripture says don't be unequally yoked, but um, sometimes that happens because uh, both individuals come to a marriage as unbelievers and then someone becomes a believer. Um, and how do you we, – we've – I've dealt a lot with that over the years. Um, generally, women, because it generally been, it tends to be women who come to, to Christ first in those sorts of situations, and how do they lead a husband – um, to faith and and a lot of that has to do with um, living a lifestyle and refusing to bend on that um, re- refusing to negotiate with a spouse on on that faith and then living it faithfully in front of them so that they have the opportunity to witness that same thing here um, go ahead and go to church go ahead and be seen to be being faithful uh, and to let your your witness there, um, and you know, pray that you don't get COVID because that's really not what you want to have happen in that sort of situation. But God um, is perfectly capable of using a faithful spouse to help drag along a a I won't say unfaithful spouse at that point because that sounds weird, but a, but a spouse who is needing their faith built up. Yeah, I've had some ladies who who've come to me and said, um, you know, I'm a I'm a stay at home mom uh, and. Um, but my husband is, is not, either not a believer or refuses to walk out his faith. But I want to. Um, he doesn't allow me to tie. Allow us to tie. I can't give yeah. or anything. And um, and they say, what can I do? How can I? How can I give? And typically, um, you know, sometimes I'll ask them, well, does, does your husband give you uh, an allowance each month? And a lot of times I say, well, well, yeah, I get a, you know, I get a food allowance, a car allowance, or whatever. And I say, well, why don't you? Just, you know, do what you can where you're at. And then I said, you can, whatever money you get coming to you, I'll maybe, he may not let you tithe off of your, your right. family income, but if you personally get some money given to you each month, then as an act of faith, you go ahead and you give um, a tithe off of your you know, your groceries or whatever it is that you that you have. So, you know, it. Um, this is one of the reasons why the Lord says, don't but be un- unequal right. yoked, because right. Right. he knows if you are, you're going to have these Great problems, yeah. and you're going to create these problems for yourself, uh, um, but then again, um, he even addresses in, uh, I can't remember which book it is that if, if somebody comes of faith, uh, <clears throat> and their spouse doesn't believe and it, it, it really kind of looks like he's saying to, that they could even leave. And if the spouse doesn't want you to be a part of, it, because they understand that concept. So he says, if the spouse is willing for you to stay as a person of faith, mm-hmm. then stay, um, because it, it's, that's, it does cause such a division when people, I mean, I grew up in a family you know, on one side of my parents were they never went to church because their my grandfather was a Jehovah's Witness and my grandmother was a Catholic. How on earth they got together, I have no idea. But neither one of them would let them take that other child to service because of yeah. how 
you know, different um, opposed their beliefs were. Right. And so all of that creates such a big uh, stressor and consternation. During this time when people have not been going to church, all right, for whatever reason, uh, I just heard Steve talking about a, somebody telling him they kind of liked watching it on, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the the laptop instead of having to get up and, and go and be part of it. I will tell you, there's a difference between yep. watching it on the laptop and, and yep. being there. I'd much rather be mm-hmm. uh, at the surface. I feel like you can feel the service, uh, the, the the spirit's presence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not saying you can't feel it when you're watching it on. <clears throat> but it's different. Uh, yeah, it's different. It, mm-hmm. it is different. But I think it's easy for people to fall into carnality mm-hmm. sure. uh, during this time. How do you deal uh, with that with a married couple or or engaged couple or a guy that likes a girl and, you know, whatever? I mean, you can take it all the way to wherever you want to. One person has become carnal. The other person has not. What do you do there? I mean, from like a pastoral perspective? No, or no, how? I'm talking about let's go where the rubber hits the road here. Oh, let's yeah. talk about relationships sure. that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis that our listeners are dealing with. Because there's people out there right now who know what I'm talking about. Well, the, if it's the person who is of faith that is less carnally minded, um, <clears throat> it's a test, but you'll find out where they stand um, because they will make a decision. And if they're just dating... I think the the and it's hard, but yep. if if I found myself in that position, I would it, my my response would be you're not who I thought you were. Right. Uh, this relationship is over because don't don't talk to me about being a person of faith and now you want to go sleeping around before we get married. That's that would be then you're not a person of faith in my view and you are not who I thought God brought in my life. Peace. Okay, yeah, well, well, it may not be that carnal. Well, okay. I I'm thought just, that's where you were going. No, no, I thought that's what you meant. It may, it may be a person saying, you know, um, I'd rather do this than go to church, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Gotcha. Oh, like, like, I'd rather go, let's go, let's go biking today yeah. as opposed to, okay. Yeah. Let me just go ahead and say, stuff. first of all, if Steve would have found himself in that position, he'd be a dead man because Casey would have already killed <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but going back to the the other, um, then then this is where the person who is, so we're assuming then that the more, the, the less spiritual is wanting to go biking or let's go climb Pinnacle or yeah. it's a beautiful day or whatever. Yeah, right. uh, this is where the other one who is, who is more spiritually strong, whether they're male or female in the relationship, um, has to establish their love for God more than their love for right. their their mm-hmm. their girlfriend their boyfriend or whatever spouse and and spouse and they have to then they have to assert that so listen i would love to go climb pinnacle after after service so i'd love to go biking with you mm-hmm. let's let's uh after service let's go by and grab a, a pack lunch and, and take it on to, to you know onto the trail of the, of the mountain but there has to be a little bit of assertion for just like this person is asserting themselves for biking, you have to be more assertive for church. Right. Uh, it's almost like God is always getting the the back seat to people's um, mm-hmm. to people's life. So do so if everybody has a job, do you say you know what? Let's not go to work this morning. Let's go ride bikes. It's a beautiful day. No, you go to work. Uh, let's not go to to school today. Uh, let's go uh, bike riding. Your parents say no. You're going to school. For some reason, mm-hmm. everything is more important. Uh, than than the house of the Lord, and this becomes the great challenge for uh, uh, for everyone. But the one who is more spiritual has to be assertive in their faith. 
things like, sure, you want to go ride? I think you can go pedal that bike on the highway to hell down there, so just get on going. <laughs> All right. That's See, that's probably the not the way that it's in the mood. But I'm we'll just teasing. I, I wouldn't were. do that. We come back. We got, uh, I got other questions for him. I'm, I'm, I, I want to talk about where the rubber hits the road today. Okay. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, how do you not come across preaching? Mm-hmm to your spouse we'll talk about it when we uh, continue here on the dave ellswick show i get you probably can figure being a talk show host and being a seminary student that my wife has said that to me a couple of times (laughs) we'll got uh, rush let's get to it okay so what have i been telling you guys here for quite some time now I've, i've been passing on one of the great philosophical statements that my father shared with me when i was a young man and it was if mama ain't happy ain't nobody (laughs) Nobody. happy all right uh and today is february 2nd it's groundhog day by the way poxatomi phil saw did not see a shadow there will be six more weeks of winter he said today Mm. so just letting you know i'm don't shoot me all right i'm just a messenger but the bottom line is 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 that uh there's some things that you just you learn over life and one thing i've learned is i can screw up christmas eve i can screw up even my anniversary but do not screw up valentine's day (laughs) and today is february 2nd valentine's day is the 14th if you want to take your wife out to dinner make your reservation now because don't wait until the 13th you're not going to be able to get in, especially with the way that they're seating everybody in restaurants now. Mm. But if you want some bling, most women's like bling. I have to tell you, my wife is kind of the different. She doesn't like to wear jewelry because she feels like it makes other women that are around her, if, they, if she's got a lot of bling, they don't have anything that makes them feel bad. Mm. And so she doesn't like to wear a bunch of rings and stuff. So the bottom line is I get off the hook for bling, but not for <laughs> Valentine's Day. Uh, get a hold of Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Right now it's too late to have something, you know, very personal made that is absolutely different than anything anybody else has. As you know, it's an, an item, a ring or a necklace or a bracelet or whatever that's made specifically for that person. He doesn't have time to do that right now. Uh, you could set that up. Give it to him on their birthday later this year or whatever. But the bottom line is he has a lot of great uh, items in his uh, on his counters, in his counters. Go over and check them out. Get uh, your your wife or your significant some, other something that they would really treasure and look forward to holding on. Make it an heirloom for your family or whatever that she might want to pass on to a daughter. And... Uh, you know, you can do that by just go visiting some with uh, Eric for a little for a few minutes. He's at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, or you can call him at 501-246-3655 and talk to him. You'll love Eric. Real good conservative guy, and he'll give you some really good ideas. Just don't screw up Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, I'm just, just take a warning from a guy who's now getting old enough that he feels like he can give some people some counsel all right that's my counsel today if mama ain't happy ain't nobody happy all right with that said let's get back to the bible guys 
it's uh we're looking about 22 minutes left here today wow. on on the show we're moving along and we've been talking about things that i think a lot of people are dealing with right now during this covid time mm. a lot of people are i don't know wondering where god is mm-hmm. yeah you know i i if there's one thing that i i gotta say that the lord has worked with me for the last 10 years maybe longer than that is that i can put my faith in him and he is always there amen Mm -hmm. he is he has done that for me and i've lost jobs i've had illness i've had a lot of different things happen to me had my my oldest brother die here just recently and my my even my wife looked at me and said you look at death death so differently yeah. than anybody else i know and i said because it's not real death yeah 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 it's a body but he's still alive i'm yeah. going to see him again yeah. yeah and i believe that amen, amen. so uh, that bothers her sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. My, my wife's the same way. We've we've attended twenty funerals in twenty four months. Wow! Um, and wow! Just that that older generation of our family all dying off at the same time, um, and and some friends as well. So, but I I'm very much of the same um, sort of mentality. It it doesn't. If I sit around and dwell on um, that loss, it's it's brutal. But I, I don't because it's it's not permanent at uh-huh. all. I mean, we are all immortal creatures, whether you whether you think that way day to day or not. We are all immortal. You are already immortal. You will spend eternity somewhere. Um, none of us is is going to check out at the end of this and just be gone. That's that's not the way this works. So uh, I don't. I don't tend to think about it uh, in terms of they're gone. Above and beyond the spiritual side of it, it is a scientific fact. Energy can neither be created nor Nor destroyed. destroyed. Mm -hmm. So when the energy leaves your body, it goes somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to talk science? I'm talking science to you now. Right. All right. And they've done measurements. They've done measurements. Uh, I I don't don't know who. 20 grams. I don't know who in the world would volunteer for that particular experiment, but they weigh you. Um, they, they have done experiments where they weighed individuals as they were passing, and the and the body loses about 20 grams at the moment That's that exactly you, right. you pass from life to death. So you tell me what left the body at that moment. There was a great movie done about that. Really? Benicio Del Toro oh, yeah. was in it. It's called 20 Grams. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. Is, good. It, ever heard is, of it? It, is it a recent movie? Uh, last 15 years, maybe. For Dave, that's super recent. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, you know, I was talking, like the 70s, 60s, I was talking like that, to so. my buddy Fred Flintstone about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the script was done on clay tablets. Yeah, so. yeah that's right. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, when you bring up when people wonder where God might be, uh, the question that needs to be asked is, who moved? Yeah. Because God, yeah, and you're God right. doesn't move. And right. so if you're feeling that God's not there, then where'd you go? Because it's not where'd he go. He's uh-huh. going where'd you go. And that's the question that God's been asking ever since Genesis 3. Right. When he said to Adam, where, where are, are you? you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so why? He hid himself because he had something that he did that he wasn't supposed to do. And that is the basis for the gospel. That is the basis for everything that God does forward is he's asking all of us, where are you? You know, I heard a uh, heard an example uh, given several years ago, back in the day when there was uh, 
Remember the the cars that used to have just the one seat in front? Mm-hmm. They weren't big bench. That's called a bench seat. Bench seat. Yeah, there you go. And uh, it was a it was a couple uh, that um, had been uh, had been married for quite some time, and um, the wife was um, they were driving somewhere, and the wife was um, looking very uh, bothered about something, and the and the husband asked her what was wrong, and her and she said to him, she said, you know, what's happening with our relationship? And he said, what do you mean? And she said, you know, we used to. When we were in the beginning of our relationship, you know, we, we used to sit side by side. You would drive with one arm on the steering wheel, one arm around me, and, and, and look at us. We're sitting, you know, as far apart as we can now in the car. And his response to her was, I haven't moved. Right. I mean, I'm still at the I'm steering wheel. Yeah, I can't move. I can't move. You're the one who's slowly scooted over to the side. And I think that goes back to what Steve said. You know, we're the ones who have made the move. God is always the same. He never changes. He is consistent. His 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 views don't change with so, you know with societal changes. He is he is the same, and so we're the ones who said, "Well, I don't quite believe that as much as I used to." Well, that's mm-hmm. not quite as important mm-hmm. as what it used to be. Well, my time is really God understands I need my time alone, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to stay away from His house, and and so we start doing this, and slowly we're inching away, and then one day we're like. What happened, God? We used to be so close. You used to answer my prayers all the time. And the Lord is like, you know what? I haven't changed a thing about myself, and right. I'm not going to because I am the Lord and I change not. And that is the answer for the question that everybody's asking in the entire nation, what has happened to our nation. The entire nation mm-hmm. has moved away from God. And right. the scary thing is we've moved from falling away to now shaking our fist. Right. Yeah. right. And that's the part that we should be very nervous about. You okay, can, so can. that brings us to one of our questions. Oh. All right, so let me if I go could, ahead, go if, ahead and if, say I'm going to let me you, look it If here. you look at the um, statistics, from, uh, society statistics as far as uh, uh, everything from the immorality to, to murders to um, um, um drug abuse and alcohol abuse and so forth. If you look at the how our statistics have run, uh, it's amazing what they look like before prayer was taken out of schools yeah. and yeah. after prayer was taken out of schools. There is a massive shift mm-hmm. in societal degradation uh, after prayer was taken out of school. And, uh, you know, none of us grew up in a time where you prayed in school. Um, you may, you may, you remember that we didn't grow up in a time where you actually prayed Mm -hmm. in school and there's just a a massive change in what has happened to society. So like Steve says, we've, we're, it's, it can be applied to our nation and now we're at the point of shaking our fist. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of people who will say, but kids can pray whenever they want to. You can't stop them and blah, 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 blah. But I'm going to tell you this, there's a difference between individual prayer and corporate prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There is a difference sure. to yeah. that. And sanctifying the environment yeah. that they're in, the classroom, the state, every aspect of our society was sanctified because we called out to the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, right. and Jacob through the Messiah. It was a sanctified place. And when you then remove it and then now say, well, you can pray to whoever you want, it's no longer sanctified. Yeah. That whole uh, where two or three are gathered together in my name doesn't apply just to the church. That when when we gather wherever we gather, mm-hmm. um, the Lord shows up, and where He shows up, that turns that place into a holy place. That's right. Turn changes that place into a place dedicated to Him in that moment. So when we remove that, now I, I guess maybe just because I grew up in tiny little towns, I do still remember. Uh, I'm probably up until third or fourth grade. 
where we switched from prayer in the mornings to a moment of silence. Really? So, yeah. yeah. But I grew up I, in I tiny, tiny, tiny towns. Yeah. So. And I, I watch it even today make its way into our culture. Yeah. I mean, uh, this football cult, uh, cult coach out in Washington State that used to gather his players mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they would pray after the game and got fired because mm-hmm. of it. And yeah. uh, now it's going up before the Supreme Court. Your, uh, your Freudian slip there was actually more accurate. Yeah. The football cult. Yeah, well, yeah. there's yeah. a cult. It's, it's, <laughs> it, I'm talking about there's a cultish attitude in our country. There there is. Really is. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a scary attitude. It, it makes me wake up some mornings and read, because I start reading as soon as I hit the floor yeah. to see what's going on. And I see some of the things that are being said, and I go, holy cow. Yeah. What is going on with you people in your heads? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's the death throes of a, a, of a defeated enemy. Mm. Um, there's very little time left. Whatever Satan's going to try to accomplish, he's got very, very little time I left. I like that you so, said that because I, I, me- I mentioned that because I've always said that about the, Democratic, the Democrats is that, you know, everybody said, well, they're making so much noise. As I said, that's what an animal that's dying does, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and and I know that they've got control again, so to speak, control. Yeah. They don't have control. Mm-hmm. All right. They don't really have control. And the but the bottom line is, is I think they know they're already defeated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, evil, evil always loses because evil always eventually turns on itself because no, no matter how far you push down a path, there's part of, of that group that wants to push harder, right? I mean, they're already turning on each other. Well, you're not doing enough for us. You know, BLM has already come out and said, well, the Democrat Party's not doing enough. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so y'all are going to eat each other alive. Uh, and that's that is the reason, you know, good stands because good has a driving force behind it that is unified. And that is why Christ said, be one That's right. as the father and I are one. Because when we unify together with the spirit of Christ behind us, I don't care what the world throws at us. All right. Got to get a break in final break for this hour. Bible guys are here. Uh, we had questions. I'll get to one about first fruits guy. First time he's ever sent in a question. So we'll hear what he has to say. You know, has anybody told you that they got their house for sale and nothing's happening because, well, they think uh, it's because the housing market's cold. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, at least in Cabot, it ain't cold. It is hot, 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 hot. Uh, kind of, the houses over the last year are up 10% in price. It's a hot market. It's a good market for the sellers. Uh, you know, you can talk to like Alvin, guy I know. Uh, wanted to sell his Otter Creek home called Dustin uh, uh, Turner, get a quick cash offer because they do that. I'll tell you about that later uh, this week. Dustin showed Alvin how he could get more money by listing his house on the market and sell it quickly. And Dustin listed Alvin's home the first week of January, usually the worst week of the year for home sellers. In one day, 24 hours, six offers. If you work with Dustin Turner, he's going to help you get the most money for your home. That's the way it works. So uh, get a hold of Dustin Turner with the home team broker by EXP Realtor. Uh, They can give you an instant cash offer if you want one without the large hidden fees. But uh, call Dustin, 501-952-2969, 501-952-2969, or Visit them online, home team sold it. 
com. All right, let me have you guys answer a question here. This gentleman, it's the first time he's ever written to you all. I like to hear what theological insights might be given on the concept of first fruits. I've heard many on television telling me to give a first fruits offering, but I still don't understand what that is. Is it a tithe? And even if I'm supposed to give it to a person on television, shouldn't I give it to my local church if anywhere? Thank you very much. I know Steve has done a bunch of research on first fruits. You want to fire away with uh, that? Well, <clears throat> tithe or first fruits? <laughs> but he wants Take to know both. is a um, is first fruits a, you know just a tithe is is it the same is it the same thing? Well, yes and no because the first fruits yes you want to bring in the the tenth but uh, as Pastor Scott's taught that goes all the way it's not a an old covenant only thing it goes all the way back to Genesis. When Abraham first brought the tithes to Melchizedek, so anything that we come in, the principle still applies. You know, some people can get down to the um, the you know brass tacks, if you will, about well, it doesn't really mention in the New Testament. It doesn't say this. It doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. But there's there's the principle that still exists. So everything right. that comes in, it shows for me. The picture it shows is um, where's your heart at? Where's your connection at? And though there may not be a specific commandment for us in the New, there is. Uh, uh, the principle that I think we should still follow. Now, if you want to start talking about getting ready for the first fruits that comes um, right after Passover, then that's a little bit different because that lays the foundation for something that happens at Pentecost. Now, if you want, I can go into that right now. You got you got five minutes. <laughs> okay, so it goes with getting ready for when Passover comes. So when during the time when the uh, first month happened the month of nisan and then 14 days later they they prepared for the passover how they did that is the the priest would go out into the field and when they begin to see the first fruits begin to harvest come up out of the ground they would mark that area and that was the area that they were going to come back later and offer to god and so then 14 days later you go past passover um, then they have the first sabbath after that passover the priests go out and gather up that first bit of barley that they saw and they would bring that in and that's what they would offer to god and so when you see paul make reference to the um jesus being the first fruits of the resurrection that he's playing on that because he was the first one that rose and so we will be following just like him and then that that whole thing gets into a whole setup of Pentecost because fifty days later they continually was watch it, was all it that wheat grow. or was it was it barley at I, that time? I believe it was barley. Barley, yeah. barley first, and then wheat. Yeah, I think both grew at the exact same time yeah. there, but I think it was barley. Okay, so, so that's the, the the part of first fruits. But when you talk specifically about the first fruits of all of your increase, is what the Bible talks about. Right. Then um, that I would put into the tithe. Right. Okay, so he says I've heard many on television telling me to give a first fruits offering but i still don't understand what that is is it a tithe Mm. and then he follows that by saying even if i'm supposed to give it uh, and am i supposed to give it to a person on television shouldn't i give it to my local church if anywhere it's not the tithe that if he's talking from that that's not the tithe that's the that's over and above right so when they what those people who are trying to teach that to him are trying to play off what i just talked about right right. so that is the first fruits of that particular um offering but then the tithe would actually come after the harvest in which they would actually bring in a tithe of whatever came in 
that's just acknowledging basically back in those times the the that God provided the right. seed sprouted the water came the the ground was fertilized and now you're bringing to God that hey this is the beginning of what I'm going to get in the future that's right. what that is and, and it plays on the that uh, the the commandment for um, all of the firstborn of of both man and animal belong to God yeah. so so does the firstborn of the field um, that that first harvest there that that first portion of that harvest belongs to God as well so okay so every payday I cut ten percent right out of my check and I yep. I send it to my church okay yeah. does that mean that Sometime during the course of the year, I should take 20% and send it, an extra 10 Is that what this is telling me, if I'm looking at a first fruit? Or is it more than 10%? Is it a Holy Spirit thing? Mm. Um, I, I think uh, if we look at all of the various, if we just want to talk about what Scripture says, I think if we look at all of the various offerings. I think we're safer if we do yeah. that. <laughs> if we do look at all the various offerings, um, it, it's what, 28, 27 or 28 percent? It's a lot. Um, yeah. it, it's much larger than what most people um, would think. Um, we do um, we do 10 percent right off the top, and we do that off of our gross income. Um I, I think I would be safe doing that for my net income. That is my increase. Um, we have always felt comfortable. We would rather be overgivers than yes, undergivers. Uh, we, we give with a joyful heart. We support missions. These are these are things that God loves, and therefore we want to be out there doing. We want to do the work that God loves, right? So, so we have always been um, givers because uh, it's it's amazing to see the work that God can do with that. But um, uh, most times when people on television are talking about a first fruits, they're, they're getting you, they're trying to get you to contribute to a building fund or something of that sort. And the answer to your question, um, yes, support a local ministry if at all possible. All right. Scott? Yep. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming. Thank you, sir. Good to see you again. Steve, thank you. And Billy, thank you. I'd like to keep on going, but they won't let me. All right. There's another show coming up right after this. We've got news for you. It's the Dave Ellswick Show tomorrow. It's Wednesday. How about that? And uh, Attorney General Leslie Rutledge at 6 a.m. She's running for governor. We're going to talk to her about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show.